Hey, everybody. Before we get into this week's show, we must acknowledge the passing of Aretha Franklin. This lady was a true musical diva. She didn't tell everybody she was a diva by wearing fancy clothes or acting like a prima donna. She did it via the power of her vocal message. Aretha's interpretations of lyrics and delivery of song were unbelievable. If you ever want to question who's in charge, watch Aretha sing Think to Matt Guitar Murphy in the original Blues Brothers movie. Aretha was the real thing. A weird side note is that Matt Guitar Murphy passed away on June 16th, 2018, exactly two months prior to Aretha's passing on August 16th, 2018. Thank you, Aretha Franklin. It is muddy in my job to keep the music world moving. Our guest today is Joshua Ray Walker, a soft-spoken, traditional country music artist that walks onto stage with great lyrics and presence. Get ready, you are going to quickly find out what a truly heartfelt individual Joshua Ray is. Amy? This is the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. Listen up. It's all about the music. Let's check in on the artists, songs, and people behind the scenes. Are you listening? Good afternoon, everybody. This is Doug Fenn with the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. Muddy has been nice again, as he always is. He's handed over the mic to our guest today, Joshua Ray Walker. How you doing? Great, man. Glad to have you here. Thanks this for young me. man is uh, knocking it dead in Dallas, and he just got back from Nashville, so we'll talk about that. Got an album getting ready to come out here, which we'll get into detail as well. Wish you were here. So I'm real excited. Joshua, you're a young guy. 27. Yeah. Did you grow up in a musical environment? Uh, yes. My, my grandfather on my mother's side, uh, he's from Knoxville. He played banjo and guitar. And when I was growing up, I lived in a duplex with my grandparents on one side and me and my parents on the other. So every day after school or even before I started school, I was always at his house playing with instruments and he taught me how to play when I was pretty young. Good. Did you start on the banjo or what did you, what did he start you on? I started on a tenor banjo, a four-string, when I was three or four, and then guitar when I was five, and then five-string banjo when I was six. When you were six? Mm-hmm. Damn, that's good. I wish that I'd stuck with it. I can barely play banjo now. but It's, it's a tricky instrument. It is, yeah. It's yeah. A, I love it. I love banjo. Now, you grew up in Dallas, right? I did, in East Dallas. So I read your bio on your webpage, mm-hmm. and it said that you kind of started out with a love for Smoky Mountain music. How did that happen? Well, with my grandfather being from Knoxville, he had a lot of old bluegrass records, okay. uh, especially from that Smoky Mountain region. A lot of them were um, just albums of uh, field recordings of traditional music being played by the people from around those towns, Union County and the Cumberland Gap area. Do you know if they were done by the Lomax family? The Al Lomax was famous for all those field recordings. I would have to assume that some of them were. I also yeah. know the Carter yes. family had did some some of that work. Absolutely. You know, at the time I was so young, I didn't think to read the records. I just remember sure. listening to them. Um, by the time I was old enough to come back around and care to find the records, he had gotten rid of them or 
or something. He never held on to anything very long. So I never got a chance to see who was actually playing on those records. But I have detailed memories of listening to a lot of bluegrass growing up and trying to play some of those songs when I was a kid. Sitting in a chair or laying on the carpet listening to them? We used to listen in the garage. He had his workshop out in the garage. Okay. And so the record player was out in the garage. But I'd usually try to play them sitting on the floor in the living room. You're a country artist. How did you move from the Smoky Mountain stuff into country? How did you fall in love with that? I guess when I think of country music, stuff I like is very close to bluegrass anyway. Okay. Or it's songwriter-based. Woody Guthrie, Towns Van Zant, Guy Clark, that sort of stuff. I feel like they're closely related, especially the storyteller type country. All those old folk songs were stories right. being passed down. That's why I like traditional country music and how I got into it. I went through a lot of different genres before ending up back in country music, and that's what brought me back in. That and the satire that I was finally keen to. Like When I was a kid, I didn't realize how much of that genre of music was... They were joking. They were making fun of themselves. You know, right. When I was privy to it, when I was older and I re-listened to some of that stuff, I realized that I really liked it. When before I thought, you know, it was cheesy or, or whatever. Right. Or didn't yeah. fully understand yeah, what yeah. was going yeah. on. You mentioned two of my favorites and two of Texas's favorites, you know, Towns Van Zandt and uh, Guy Clark. I got sure. Guy's bio over there. How early, how young were you when you started listening to them? I was aware of their music when I was uh, in high school, I guess. And I'd heard some Guy Clark. And I feel like if you grow up in Texas, you hear some Towns Van Zandt. Willie, of course, was always around the house. But I didn't really dig into it, start to love it, until I was probably 20 or 21. I was older. It took a while for me to come around. When did you start performing in front of people? So I've been playing lead guitar um, and other people's bands pretty regularly since I was in junior high and then started writing. I wrote my first song when I was 19 and didn't write another song until I was 21. And by chance, I was asked to host a a folk night, kind of a songwriter night at a local bar and said I could do it even though I never actually played in front of people. So I had three weeks to get a set together and learn how to play and sing at the same time. Finished, (laughs) finished my, yeah, finished my first two songs. And I went and I played a 30 minute set of mostly traditional bluegrass and folk songs and then two originals. And then there was another two and a half or three hours of music by other local artists. And that residency went on for about a year. Well, they kept bringing you back. Yeah. Yeah. It stuck. And I've had regular gigs ever since then. That was my first time playing and singing in front of people awesome yeah well campers what you're gonna find out is uh, this guy can write a hell of a set of lyrics and does some great stuff what is your creative approach to writing music how do you how do you approach it how do you do it you've got some characters in here there's a big one Take, take me through your process if you can sure well it usually starts on a line either someone will say something or i'll think something and I'll jot it down or write it in my phone. Right. And then the next time I have time to sit down and play, if I start coming up with a melody or whatever, I'll pull my notebook out or my phone out, and I'll start reading those lines and see how they fit into these melodies I'm hearing. And then they just kind of happen naturally from there, and I build 
a character or a story around those few lines that I've written. Every once in a while, I'll sit down and I'll just have a whole song fall out. Um, the first song I ever wrote was like that. It was actually the night my, my grandfather, who taught me how to play music, he, uh, he passed when I was 19, and I went home from the hospital. I pulled out a guitar, and the whole first verse and chorus for this song called Fondly, which is going to be on my album that's coming out, came out. And I was like, well, that's, that's weird. I've never... I tried to write lyrics before... But I was in rock bands and whatever, and I was just never very good at it. And I, they usually ended up being tossed. But I was like, well, that's pretty good. I'll, I'll hang on to it. And over the course of, I don't know, maybe a month, I would sit down with it every once in a while, and I finished that first song. And I didn't think about it much until almost two years later, and it happened again. And I wrote the first chorus and verse of a song after having a conversation with my dad about pursuing music full time and stuff like that. And so I thought, well, maybe I can write songs. I just need to give myself motivation and the time to do it. And Absolutely. Then I started writing more frequently. and But I'd say that's still kind of how it goes. I'll get, I'll get one good line, and then I'll, I'll build a song around it. Right. The song you wrote about your grandfather. How, was that your first song, second song? That was, was that when you were 19 or 21? or how? 19. That was the first song I wrote. Um, and that's going to be on this new album. It is, yeah. That's pretty darn good. Your first yeah. <laughs> song is quality enough to put it on your first big album. I guess so, yeah. I, I, would, I mean, it's still one of my favorites I've written. The song that people would point out and encourage me to continue writing when they would hear it, if I'd go to open mics or whatever. So it just it was one of those that stuck. It's still in regular rotation in my set when I play. Also, uh, this is my first full-length album I'm putting out. So there are songs, let's see, I'm 27 now, so I guess I've been writing for eight years. And there are songs from my first song all the way up until songs that I brought into the studio that were half finished. Right. So it's really, there's a little bit of everything along the way from when I started till when this album's coming out on the record, which I'm really happy with. Damn right. That's fantastic. Uh, I read somewhere, I think it was after your grandfather passed away, you found a button in a drawer and yeah. you took off from that button and created another song. Yeah, so that's actually my other grandfather. That's my dad's dad. But it is funny. Both my grandfathers had an influence on me playing guitar. They both gave me instruments growing up. Love it. Yeah, when my when my dad's dad passed, uh, we were cleaning out his house, and I found a button that said, I rode the bullet Bronco Billy's. That was a honky-tonk, I think, in South Dallas. Yes, it was. In the 80s. Yes, and it was. And I think you, it closed in the 90s. You could get thrown pretty far. Yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, I have experience with that. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I saw it. I don't know. It just stuck with me. It was one of the only things I kept from, from the house, and it was always laying around. And I took a picture of it when I found it on yeah, top of the dresser. Yeah, I think it's up on your website. I think it is. Yeah. It was actually the cover uh, to my my EP that I released last year, which was my first release of any music. Uh-huh. I don't know. I just got to thinking. I'm kinda, I can be kind of a daydreamer, I guess. I just thought of this whole world and who would be at that bar on the night it was closing and these different characters that hang out at these honky-tonks. Um, so the five songs are... Each one's written from a perspective of a different character that would have been there on the night the bar closed. Yeah, I guess that all came out of me finding that pin in my grandfather Walker's dresser. The grandfather I was talking about before is my Cheek, was his last name, Grandfather Cheek. 
I mean, that is really creative. So, like, I would assume I'm kind of a touchy-feely guy. It's like you almost feel them, right, when you pick up the button in a sense, or there's some connection there, right? Sure. I have memories connected to physical objects, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. When you're writing, do you have to be kind of, do you have a special place to do it, or can you just kind of disappear into your world and start going after it? I guess it depends on where I'm living when I'm, (laughs) I would say it's usually in the living room on a couch. I don't keep a notebook or a computer or a phone or anything around. I like to just sit there and get almost a finished song together and then I'll pull something out and document it. Uh, But I don't make a lot of notes along the way. You don't? I don't. Um, So it's all in your head as you're building this song? Yeah. um, I didn't realize that was... Strange until I started co-writing with people this year. And they're like, don't you forget lines? And I'm like, well, yeah, probably, but I won't know because they're gone. And then, <laughs> you know, you know, I feel like the ones that are good will... They'll stick stay. around. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just, I sit down and when it feels like I have a verse done and a chorus done, I'll record it. And then when it feels like I have another verse done and a bridge, I'll record that. And then eventually there's a finished song. Then I go try it out on people live. I love it. Well, Muddy's sitting over in his listening position, so mm-hmm. he's ready for you to play a song. Wh- wh- which song are you going to go, go play for us first? I could play Working Girl for you. Sure. Yeah. Now, before you do it, tell, take us through this song a little bit. Uh, this is a song that I drew on. I drew some personal uh, experience from. It just has to do with some of the people I grew up with. I grew up in East Dallas when it was still the East Dallas, I remember. It was kind of a, could be a rough neighborhood, lower income. Sure. And just, I was blessed to have a a pretty normal family. Good. Not all my friends had that uh, privilege. And this just about their lives, some of the stuff they had to put up with. Great. So. Well, let me let you set up and then we'll go after it. Sounds good. You got it. We're going. But she sure is sweet Not a dollar to her name Not even a dime Doing what she's gotta do to get by Doing what she's gotta do to get by Family full of failures right in line Working to the bone to close in time Well they probably should have known But they don't mind the table's worth being blind Dinner on the table's worth being blind Working girl since the age of 13 I don't know how she does it But she sure is sweet Not a dollar to her name Not even a dime Doing what she's gotta do to get by Doing what she's gotta do to get by Daddy rolled steel 
sister turned tricks and her brother would steal Anything he thought worth a dollar bill Anything he thought worth a dollar bill A hard living sure ain't easy Easy living's even harder So please just come and take me I don't want to be a martyr A hard living sure ain't easy Easy living's even harder So please just come and take me I don't want to be a martyr She's a working girl since the age of 13 I don't know how she does it but she sure is sweet Not a dollar to her name, not even a dime Doing what she's gotta do to get by She's a working girl since the age of 13 I don't know how she does it but she sure is sweet not a dollar to her name, not even a dime Doing what she's gotta do to get by Doing what she's gotta do to get by Man, Joshua, that's, uh, that's a tough song. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's personal. And like I said, I like to weave characters into my, into my writing, and that's a little bit of both. Yeah, and you, and you wove a steel mill into Dallas, Texas, which I thought was kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of parallels between the character I'm writing about and <clears throat> my great-grandmother back to Knoxville and, and Tennessee. I think my mind goes there a lot when I write. They, of course, they have steel mills and, and coal mines and all that hard labor that generations past did in my family. And so I was just drawing the parallels there between those two characters. Yeah. Have you, and I would assume you, at some point in time in your life, you've been to Knoxville, Tennessee? Yeah. yeah. I've been a few times. I went quite a, quite a few times when I was a kid um, to see family. I got to go back last September when I was on tour and play a show there and see the town a little bit. Yeah. So I assume as you're writing songs, visualization helps a lot, I would assume, right? Yeah. I, I would say that's a big part of my writing. I visualize a lot of what I'm writing about. Cool. Now, you're going to release this song, I believe, a little early, or the, yeah. the album? Yeah. Uh, this one's coming out September 7th is the single release date, and that's also the pre-order date for the album. I love it. You should hear it on Texas radio. You should hear it all over, hopefully. And it'll be up on Spotify and iTunes, and Good. we'll be having a party at the Double Wide September 8th, uh, like a single release party. Myself playing full band. It'll be my first full band show in Dallas. Vincent Neil Emerson, one of my favorite writers from Fort Worth, will yeah. be playing. John Pettigo with Pettigo's Magic Pilsner. Uh, they'll be playing full band as well. It's going to be a good show. That's fantastic. Now, details of that will be up on your webpage, and, or, and, and I believe you have a Facebook page as well, right? Correct. Yeah, there should be details about that show on um, any social media that I'm at, which is at Joshua Ray Walker. Or my website, uh, joshuarayWalker.com. Love it. Thanks, Joshua. You just got back from Nashville. Big yes. country, big country place. Right. A little different from Dallas. Definitely. How, how was that? Your first trip to Nashville, uh, gigging? No, I went there for the first time in September of last year in 2017, okay. and I've been going back about every six weeks since. So I've taken quite a few trips now. Oh. Um, I try to go there to do some co-writes, play some writers' rounds. I try to play one, at least one show that isn't a writers' round every time I'm there. And I go for three or four days every month or two. 
So are you starting to build a little <clears throat> following over there? Yeah, it's growing slowly, but but surely. Right. Um, surely always gets involved. Right. I just played there on, it was last Wednesday. We had a good turnout. Uh, Vincent Neal Emerson was out there with me. So it was an all-Texas lineup at a bar in Nashville, and we actually brought out a good crowd. The The owner was happy, said it was one of the best Wednesdays in a while, so we were proud of that. Good. Highlight of, one of the highlights of that trip, I'm a big Coulter Wall fan, probably the record I listened to most last year, and we ran into him, and he knows Vincent. Vincent's opened for him here in Dallas before, and he actually came out to the show and stayed the whole time and watched both of our sets and was a real nice guy and Damn. he had a beer it was a good time that's great it was really great that's a real treat man yeah you have a presence on stage you're comfortable there how did that how did that develop i don't know i <laughs> i wouldn't even necessarily agree with that statement but i've it's something i've been hearing lately so i guess it's true i was very very uncomfortable on stage i would say i still am pretty uncomfortable on stage the first year that I was playing in front of people, I would go to open mics three or four times a week just to get used to singing into a microphone and singing in front of people. Excellent. It wasn't something that came naturally to me. It still doesn't. And I'm still not good at speaking to a crowd unless I'm holding a guitar or... Got home base. <laughs> right. But I think when I am comfortable... I just try to be as sincere as I can. I don't put on an act or say what I think people want to hear me say or sing what I think people want to hear me sing. So I feel like sometimes that sincerity just comes through, and and Absolutely. that's great. Cause that, I don't think you can fake sincerity, man. I don't think you can either. But I'm glad people like it because <laughs> I could be sincere and then they could not like it. So <laughs> it's great. It's good news to me. That Damn people, right. you know, like it because I don't know how to do anything else. So, <laughs> being you is is going to be a lot easier going through life being you than instead of trying to be somebody else. Definitely. Um, you picked State Fair Records. Take me through uh, how that happened. Well, they might have picked me. I <laughs> I didn't have anyone else offering to help me make a record, but I sure do appreciate them for it. Yeah, I mean the relationship's just been really natural. They're really nice guys. I've never felt any weird tension when mixing art and business and personal relationships with them, which is nice and very rare. It just kind of fell in place. I was working on a second EP to follow up the one I put out last year. John Pettigo had showed interest in helping me record it. I was working with him. I was going to just pay for a quick cheap EP out of pocket and and just get it out there to keep putting material out. We were working one day and he kept kind of prodding and poking, asking why I wasn't doing a full album. And I said, well, really, it just comes down to not having the money to put out a full album right now. And he said, well, what else would you put on it? And so I played him a couple songs that I'd been working on that were were not going to be on the EP. And one of them was Canyon. He told Trey Johnson uh, one of the guys at State Fair about the song. Trey came out to see me at a show, at a residency I had at the time at a bar called Eastbound and Down. He liked it, and he liked what I was doing, and he liked my other songs, and the conversation just kind of started there, and we decided pretty quickly we were going to do a full album together, and I think that was decided back in February. 
we got in the studio soon after to cut the rhythm tracks and it's just been a you know how long a record takes to come out so i just got to pick up the masters this week in nashville while i was there oh cool yeah so it's done i must have just missed you at eastbound and down because i was i was attending there for i think it was last fall and then they shut it down for a while so i must have missed you there yeah um i was playing there every monday Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Were you going? For I was going there Thursday State Fair, State Fair night, yeah. which was what that was a Thursday or a Wednesday night. I went like to that. a couple of those. I think two. Okay, one of them was on my birthday actually, and I think that's the time that Trey really decided he wanted to work with me. A couple other people from State Fair were there that day as well. Is Eastbound and Down back up and running from a musical perspective? They shut that down for a while. I'm not sure. Okay, so you're not was, back there playing. I'm not. I was doing all the booking there for a while. Yeah, the music calendar came to a halt. I don't think they have anything regular going on right now. Gotcha. I would assume during the course of this, when you're 21 years of age, you can't totally afford making a living playing the guitar, so you probably had some day gigs, right? When did you stop having day gigs, or do you still have some day gigs? That's an interesting question. (laughs) I decided I wanted to be a musician full-time when I was 18, back when I was just playing lead guitar for people. I haven't had a steady income... Uh, besides playing music since then. Really? But that included a lot of uh, couch surfing, sleeping in the car here and there. I've heard of musicians doing that. Yeah. So technically, no, I haven't had a job since I was 18. I've just played music. But I haven't really been comfortable or had a permanent address (laughs) until uh, the last four years. Yeah, that was one of the decisions I made. I didn't think... I know myself, and I knew that I wouldn't push... Um, as hard as I could if I wasn't depending on music to eat and put a roof over my head. It just gave me a little bit of extra drive. Yeah, eating is a serious motivator. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Man, since 18 years of age. Yeah, and I mean, that included a couple months back home. I did take care of my grandmother for a short time. Led me to living back at home for about a year. I haven't, let me put it this way, I haven't had a boss uh, since I quit a restaurant job when I was 18. I've done odd things. Sure. I've picked through garbage, I've refinished furniture, I've done lots of stuff, but predominantly all my incomes come from playing music since I've been an adult. You're committed, man. That's great. (laughs) I compliment you. It's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I think you're going to be nice enough uh, to play another song for us, right? Sure. All right. Can you take us through Canyon, right? Yeah. Can you take us through this song, uh, its background a little bit? Sure. In March of 2016, uh, my dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Um, I think this song is just, it took me over a year to write it. Like, it took me over a year to even process things to where I could start writing it. But it's, I don't know, me speaking out loud to myself, thinking about what it means when you're gone, what do you leave behind, what is what would my legacy be, what would his legacy be, the similarities we have, the differences we have, just all the complex things that come in a father-son relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. All right. I'll let you set up and we'll listen to Canyon. Sure thing. Thanks, Joshua.
I was born to wander But my feet can't take me far This is by my own doing So I tell stories at the bar Yeah, I'm afraid of flying Afraid of falling, truth be told I don't get close to edges I'm afraid that I'll let go I'm a big, big man Not just in size or in stature In terms of space that can't be filled I'm a bottomless canyon Without a drop to spill Are you proud of me? Are you proud of what I do? I'll try to be a better man than the one that you knew. I will miss you when you're not around, though I wasn't around for you. When your broken body's in the ground, I'll hope there's room for two. I'm a big, big man. Not just in size or in stature, in terms of space that can't be filled. I'm a bottomless canyon without a drop to spill. That was great, Joshua. You're you're really good at the lyrics. I mean, you've you've you're making great progress on that. Good Thank stuff. You. Thank you. Yeah. As we near the end of the show, what have you got planned for the rest of 2018 going into 2019? Yeah. So, like I said, I'll have my first single out September 7th. We'll have a big party for that September 8th at the Double Wide. Yep. I'm going to be headed to Nashville right after that for Americana Fest, which is the 10th through the 16th. I'm not on the official lineup this year, but I went out there last year and I shook a lot of hands and met a lot of people. And it was a really good way to spend my time out there. This year, I'm helping put together a showcase for State Fair Records and a label from Detroit. It's going to be half Texas, half Detroit artists at uh, Little Harpeth Brewery on September 13th. It's a Thursday. Little Harpeth Brewery. Yes. Okay. A local brewery there in Nashville. And I'll be playing at Springwater on the 16th, which is the oldest bar in Nashville. So I'm pretty excited about that. I've never played there. And then I'll go on a little uh, Midwest run on my way back home. Uh, I'm playing Kansas City on the 20th with a couple dates in between. And then I have a surprise single coming out that I'm not talking about yet, but it has to do with State Fair of Texas. Okay. A song that isn't on the album. Time frame? Late September. Okay. We'll be putting out Canyon as a single. Uh, A music video for Canyon will be coming out. Also, John Pettigo and I will be going on a a short Christmas tour that 
could possibly turn into a web series. Um, Ooh, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's still in the works, and I hope it comes together because it would be a lot of fun. And that'll take us through the holidays. And then we'll put the record out in January, and then hopefully from there I'll be hitting the road. And you'll probably... uh do an official record release at uh, at a local theater or musical establishment, right? Correct. I'm to be at, determined, probably. To be determined. I'm hoping one of the more notable, larger venues in town. Yeah, let's see if one um, of them can get in a bidding war for you. How about that? <laughs> yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> well, Joshua, this has been a real treat. Again, oh, hit, hit him with your website again, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, it's just my full name, joshuaraywalker.com. Yeah, and then uh, on social media, it's at Joshua Ray Walker. It's been a real treat. People, uh, download these songs as they come out in September and late September and October and get ready for the Go to the Double Wide on September 8th and be ready for the big release in January. Joshua, it's been a treat, and I look forward to being at several local concert halls enjoying your music. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You got it, bud. Take care. You too. campers, I recommend going back and listening again to Joshua Ray's songs, Working Girl and Canyon. This young man has potential, super lyrics, and solid song structure. As soon as Joshua left the Treetop Studios after our interview, I went to the Double Wide website and got our tickets for the September 8th performance. You too can do that. Go to double-wide.com, double-wide.com to order yours. The music will start at 10 p.m. that Saturday evening with John Pettigo hitting the stage at 11 p.m. and Joshua will play his first note at midnight. If you haven't heard John Pettigo's music, go back to episode 13 of the Dogger Muddy Music Podcast to enjoy his interview and songs. Well, as of the publishing of this show, I am one-third of the way through my prostate radiation. I had an issue after the first couple zappings. Radiation causes the prostate to shrink which means it squeezes in around my urethra, thus causing uncomfort when relieving myself. Plus, after going to bed, I had to get up to relieve myself eight times those first couple evenings. That was a pain as well. The doctor got me a prescription for Flomax right away. That stuff worked fast, and I'm way good now. Thanks, Doc. If you have not pulled out your Aretha Franklin records or checked her out on Spotify or iTunes this week, please do. Her contribution to the world of music is monumental. It is simply great to sit back and listen to Respect, Natural Woman, Chain of Fools, Think, I Never Loved a Man, and so many more great songs. Take the time to enjoy Aretha. Also, take care of yourself, and let's talk again next week. Adios. For ongoing updates, follow Dogger and Muddy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Till next time, adios. I cannot feel speak. Punches underwater. Drifting in the open sea. Or is this a dream? is to falter and to taste to receive 
this a dream? 